0: just want to do god's will what you're seeking is a blessing from god you must expect a miracle you have the power of choice believe on the lord jesus christ welcome to life daily live randy Robinson here and you know if you've paid much attention to sort of you know, kind of what's going on with churches and culture you know that a lot of people are not really connecting in churches the way that historically they have in our country. And uh, and that's, that's a shame, obviously. But maybe there's something that churches can do, that people in the church can do, things maybe we should know that can help draw people to the church. Because let's face it, our culture is crying out for help in so many ways. Well, today we're going to talk about some of that with uh, someone who's done a lot of research in this area. In fact, they have a new book out called What Most Parents Aren't Telling You. It looks just like this. Uh, and it is from a group called Think Orange, run by Kristen Ivey. And uh, what, they've, what they've uncovered is, is interesting. Anybody in the church, any Christian is going to find a lot of this information, I think, pretty insightful. And so well, I'm glad that you're here. If you haven't followed, liked, shared, subscribed, do that now, and you'll get more great interviews like this. But uh, Kristen, I appreciate you being here on Life Today Live. Good to have you.
1: Randy, thank you so much for having me here. This is going to be a fun conversation.
0: So kind of give us the lowdown on what you guys were researching and why you were researching it.
1: Right, so we're an organization that supports ministries, um, both nationally and internationally, particularly in the areas of children's ministry and youth ministry or next-gen ministry, family ministry, depending on the church and how that's categorized. But we're primarily focused on supporting churches who are discipling young people. Mm-hmm. And in that work, one of the things that we've really uh, leaned into from the beginning is the important connection between a ministry and the family unit. Uh, so that we know that the best way to disciple a kid is when you have really strong, consistent relationships happening at church alongside of um, warm and loving relationships at home. And so we wanted to really lean in in this particular moment in history and say, how are parents and caregivers feeling today? What are the things that parents and caregivers really want for their children? And what are the areas where maybe they're looking for a little more support, a little more guidance um, and would be you know, interested in somebody coming alongside of them to partner with them and help them as they're raising young
0: people, I'm I'm guessing that these needs have shifted in the last couple of years. Uh, maybe it's just the news harping on it, but there seems to be, especially, uh, you know, after COVID, this need for a lot of mental health services. I mean, are you seeing <laughs> some of that related to the the church as well?
1: Absolutely. Actually, you hit the nail on the head or however, whatever analogy you want to use. But um, in the research that we did, we asked parents and caregivers um, who are church affiliated and unaffiliated with a local church community. Both groups of parents reported that mental health was their number one Mm. top priority concern for their kids. Um, And there was a lot of evidence throughout the research to back that up in a number of different ways. But yes, mental health is a tremendous concern for parents and caregivers, um, no matter what community that you're living in right now. I know that I'm the parent of three kids. My kids are 13, 10 and seven. And so we're kind of living this out at home as well as kind of in the professional field. And you do hear these mental health conversations come up again and again.
0: Do you have have any idea how parents who aren't part of a church, maybe I mean, I guess if they're just kind of detached, they might be more amiable to a church stepping into that role. But is there resistance to the church having that kind of influence? Did you get into that kind of level?
1: We did. We pursued where parents are going for support, where they're finding support today, as well as what parent perceptions are of the church. And those both of those were pretty fascinating Um Primarily, parents are going to their key relationships for support. Mm. So you could almost break out the way, the places parents go for support into two categories. Um, the first category being relationships and the second category being, you know, places for credible information. Mm. Relationships wins every time. Interesting. Whether that is a spouse or partner, um, a grandparent, a sibling, you know, a neighbor, a friend, um, somebody that they feel connected to. Uh, Parents are leaning into those relational networks more than ever. Below that, a lot of parents are still looking to books um, over and against internet searches. Um, But beyond that, you know, there's apps and there's all kinds of other podcasts and other sources of information. But relationships wins every time.
0: That is very interesting because, you know, we've talked about a lot on this program, the importance of not just, you know, going and like preaching at people or, posting something on Facebook and feeling like I, I've kind of done my thing. It's really critical that we understand the biblical role of community, not just with our Christian friends, which is important, but also bringing other people in. It, that, that That is very interesting to me because another thing that does is that's encouraging because that says I can actually make a difference in people's lives and don't have to go through some of the uncomfortable things that maybe we've done in the past of you know I'm not going to I'm not going to be standing on the corner of my neighborhood handing out weird tracks. i can actually just kind of right. get to know people and as the needs right. arise it, it that sounds like what you're finding is that they're going to talk to their neighbors and friends and the people they trust very interesting what what else kind of jumped out at you in your research
1: um You asked the question about whether parents were resistant to turn to the church for Mm. help. Mm. And what we found is that there was a wide gap between the parents who do attend church and parents who do not attend church in how they responded to that question. Mm. Those who were attending church uh, consistently were very positive about their church experience. They were overwhelmingly uh, suggesting they feel supported at church, they find value in their church community, those relationships become primary source of support in their world. Parents who are not connected to a church, though, have a very challenging time seeing why they would need church. And the gap there uh, was really, I, I think, elevated in the research to suggest those who aren't going find very little need for why they would attend. So there's probably a lot that we could talk about there, but it there's, there is a different perception.
0: Well, you, you know, if if you sit on Twitter all day long, you're going to think that people in the church hate the church, <laughs> right? You're laughing. because yeah. But I think yeah. that's a little bit of the dystopian world we live in, where the internet is like this, I don't know, man, it's, it's great. We're on <laughs> it right now. But yet it's also kind of wacky and, and unreliable. Uh, and I've always been like, you know, uh, people that complain about their church. I'm like, what church are you going to? Because I know a lot of mm-hmm. churches. I know, there's good. Of course, I'm in Texas, so and you're in the <laughs> South, so maybe we've got just an abundance of good churches. But I'm like, man, I, I just I don't I don't see it. Anyway, um, what what there was? You, go go ahead. I, I'm I'm curious. If, well, what I'm curious about, I'll ask the question, then you can go wherever you want. Um, did you find what people that aren't in the church that don't see any? value in the church do you, do you know what they're looking for or maybe why they don't is it ignorance or is it past disappointment or is it misperception any idea
1: um, I think it's multi-layered I was trying to find this and I, I can't find the page yeah you got pages right and now. Pages
0: of research there I love it <laughs> Both
1: inside and outside the church there was there was a concern shared by both groups of parents in that uh, many parents felt like their church, both the congregation and the pastoral leadership, struggled to understand their daily realities. Hmm. So that was the maybe the one thing that brought those two groups closest together in their perception of church, which was this general sense that people who are inside of the church community, the people who I would be sitting you know, in rows or circles with, hmm. as well as the leadership, struggle to understand maybe their family structure, maybe their family dynamics, maybe something specific about their child. They also reported that they had concerns about what their church teaches their child, how their church welcomes and accepts their child, um, as well as just how they understand their child's, you know, day-to-day living realities. And so I, I do feel like there is a valid concern that a lot of caregivers share in saying in order to come into our family experience and support our family unit well, you need to understand what's happening day to day inside the walls of our home and the realities of our pace, the realities of our calendar, the realities of our finances, the things that we're going through in order to build the kind of informed empathy that will really help um, make those connections stronger. So maybe there's something in that, I think both for church families as well as on church families.
0: Yeah. Okay. I got to ask you about a term that you use because you you say caregivers, does this mean that you were talking to uh, foster parents or parents of step kids? Is there a reason that you're using a broader term caregivers than just parents? Something I'm missing here.
1: <laughs> we love to focus on any adult who's living under the same roof, under the same roof with a child. Okay. And oh. uh, oftentimes the term parent, you know, may feel like it's limiting to a lot of adults. Sure just based on the dynamic of whatever that relationship might look like. So we looked at any adult who is living in a home, raising a child. That could be a grandparent okay. who's playing the role of a primary caregiver. Uh, that could be an aunt or other relative playing the role of primary caregivers, certainly foster families, um, step parents, bonus parents. We right. looked at any number right. of family structures.
0: Okay. Yeah. And and let's. I thought maybe you were pointing out that some parents are really lousy and not actually good caregivers <laughs> at the same time. So I, I, I don't know, no, but seriously, what, what, what do we, what do we do with this information? Cause this is great research. It's, it's uh, interesting and I think enlightening, but what's the application?
1: Yeah. Well, I think there are a lot of different applications. Really the perception of church was the primary distinction between parents who go to church and parents who don't. Hmm. In every other factor that we were looking for in this research about what parents feel, what parents hope to give to their children, what they want for their children, those things that parents are afraid of for their children, and the places where parents are going for support and help, all of that was actually really aligned between parents who are going to church and parents who are not going to church right now. So. They want the same things for their kids. They're afraid of a lot of the same things in their disrupting their kids' future. And they turn to a lot of the same places for help and support. The familiarity between those two groups of parents stood out probably more than anything in our findings. The really the fundamental exception between the two was how they perceive church.
0: When you talk about fears, whether mm-hmm. it's parents in the church or parents outside the church, obviously the mental health one we, we touched on, is, is there anything anything else that, that jumped out? Because I I can see, and I, I don't know if this is a correct perception or not, but it seems like parents inside the church are really worried about things like what public schools are teaching, what Disney's teaching them, you know, what the culture at large is teaching them, and, and, and specifically values that go against Christianity, whereas outside the church i my perception and again this may be a misperception which is why i ask is that maybe some people it's just a difference of values and a difference of standards and and they they're like ah, i'll go around to church they're going to teach my kids to be bigots and and uninclusive or what whatever is is that is that real or is that something that's just kind of a media sensation media
1: narrative yeah, yeah it's interesting we did not find that as much in this research, mm. but with every study, you know, you're going to get what you're, what you're looking for. It may be that our questions were not tailored to those particular issues. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, I would, I would say it may not be untrue. It wasn't what we found in this study. Um, in this study, we saw that every parent caregiver, regardless of whether they are attending church every week, attending church monthly or disconnected from a church entirely, they actually valued the same top things, uh, or they were afraid when it came to fears. They were afraid of the same things um, at the same priority. The number one thing, which I think surprised us, was that parents were afraid of their kid not having good eating and nutrition. Really? Um, so they were looking at their kid's physical wellness above everything else. That's it also correlated with one of the places parents found most helpful is their pediatrician. <laughs> um, so I think for a lot of us, we, we maybe are underestimating just how important our kids' physical wellness is to a parent or caregiver and what a deep role that plays in a person's life. Um, second to nutrition was sleep, that parents worry about their kids not getting enough sleep at night. Um, maybe it's a representation of the fact that we know that our kids' schedules are filling up or that there's a lot going on in the world, but nutrition and sleep took the top two spots uh, for both. That is interesting. Christian parents and all parents alike. Um, Beyond that, technology came up in the fourth place for both groups of people, um, whereas anxiety was number three in the group of all parents and influence of peers uh, showed up in number three for Christian parents. But it was interesting to us how similar those two groups of parents reported their, their concerns and their fears. And then secondly, something that's been primarily intriguing to a lot of readers of this research is that when it came to what parents are afraid of for their kids, Christian parents were far more worried about everything than parents who are not uh, (laughs) professing to be Christians. So in general, Christian parents worry a significant amount more
0: okay that's funny okay.
1: Okay. it is it is funny right yeah it's a little bit counterintuitive when you think about our faith
0: um oh uh, well yeah. oh goodness don't even get me started but i mean on, on one level it's understandable because the culture yes. does seem to be running counter to christianity right now but yet yeah. on the other hand no i totally get it i mean i had four kids i i totally get it um but that does mean that you're gonna you're going to find out whether you believe what you preach, and
1: mm-hmm. you know—is
0: is God really in control? Does He answer prayers? I mean, no. you're going to push some deep theological buttons on that one, and test <laughs> test people's faith. I mean, that will test your faith. Here's what I find interesting uh, about that particular research: is that when it comes to—I mean, you know—fear is one of those core emotions, whether you're in the church or outside the church. Let's be honest. But That's if right. we're all—if we're concerned about. The nutrition and and the sleep and the effect of technology, we have a lot more in common with those outside the church than we think. Yes, and so yes. hello, there's your inroad. Yes. Have that conversation right there. Which That's is
1: absolutely right. Yeah, I think there is so much common ground. When we were trying to look at, you know, what do parents today, um, what do we think about? You know, what are we, what are we wanting for our kids? What are we hoping for our kids? there actually is overwhelming evidence that parents and caregivers want to do right by their kids they overwhelmingly want good things for their kids future hope good things for their kids future they're afraid of the right kind of things that will sabotage their kids future and they're looking for help um, christian parents unchristian parents i think oftentimes we over exaggerate the difference and yeah. we miss the similarity you know really that fundamental difference had to do with perception of the church and That's something somebody's going to have to experience for themselves, I think, in order to lean in and go, oh, I I see some relationships that I could trust. Mm -hmm. Um, But that will be built on common ground, which this points to. We have a lot of common ground. We want uh, the same type of things. We're afraid of the same type of things. Um, We're looking for help in a lot of the same places. So there's a lot to be encouraged by.
0: So here's here's a a question if, if you don't have if there's not a real answer don't make one don't make one up but was there anything that you maybe thought would be very important to one group or the other that you found out oh that that is a misperception on our part it, they just didn't care about this or that Did that ever come up
1: absolutely well I think we saw what a number of other research uh, out you know has shown which is those things that parents in the 80s and 90s might have been afraid of are far less concerning to parents today, Um, particularly the use of drugs, alcohol, sexual behavior. Those were at the very bottom of the list for both Christian parents and those outside the church. So when you brought up right at the top of this interview, the concept of mental health, Mm -hmm. um, body image, anxiety, depression, those were the kind of things that came to the top of the list for all parents. Mm. And yet some of those concerns that would have been, you know, really discussed highly uh, in years past, drugs and alcohol and sexual behavior fell lower um, when it was compared to other things. That's not to suggest that parents and Christian parents aren't thinking about those things or afraid of those things, just less so than the impacts of technology and the impacts on of mental health.
0: Do you do you? Okay, that's very interesting Um, because, I mean, we look at the the fentanyl that's killing kids in waves across the country and, uh, of course, online, you know, the the pornography and then the promiscuity that's encouraged by the culture, sexualization of children by teachers. I mean, that does surprise me that that didn't rank as high. Do you think that's because they may be concerned about it sort of out here, but last night I was dealing with all these other issues at my home is it just maybe yes. an immediacy kind of thing?
1: I think that's definitely part of it another thing that we saw are that those things that intersect our lives daily yeah. uh, showed up more you know they were rated more highly than things that might show up in our world uh, periodically so if, if you're looking at something like alcohol consumption number one you have to factor in the age of the child. A lot of these fears do shift and change according to the age of the child. Yeah. And then also you're looking at something that may not be a part of your daily fears or your daily concerns. Mm. Whereas something like eating and nutrition, you're thinking, Oh my goodness, when was the last time I got them to take a vitamin? So
0: yeah. Yeah. No, no, that makes sense. Okay. This is the book that we're discussing what most parents aren't telling you. Some fascinating insight into just kind of where, People live these days. Uh, and, and Kristen, I want to show people um, the website for ParentQ. I think I've got the, yeah, there it is. ParentQ.org uh, is a resource that's available. A lot of this was done sort of under that umbrella. It's part of Think Orange. Um, so, when we, you know, we've kind of talked about the, the theory and the issues and the ideas and the, the research. Talk to me a little bit about the practical solutions and the help Mm -hmm. that you guys are offering.
1: Yeah, I think one of the things that came to light during this whole process, as we were talking with a lot of ministry leaders, church leaders, who work with families and communities across the United States and internationally, one thing that, that surfaced a good bit was this conversation about how does our faith and our life intersect? How do we begin to weave our faith into our day to day living in a way where you know, when you're having those conversations with a neighbor, when you're talking with friends um, at your local school, how is your faith a part of those day-to-day life fears, life hopes and dreams so that it's not two separate things? Mm. Um, if we categorize and we take our faith and we pair it up against the rest of life, faith just doesn't seem to take first place you know, for a lot of people it's going to go, okay, do you care about your faith or do you care about making sure that your kids have good sleep and nutrition? That in and of itself is a bad question. The real question, the real essence for all of us, and we all talk about this um, as believers, is how does our faith actually impact the rest of our life and the rest of our experience? And it seems like maybe we haven't done a great job of integrating those things.
0: Interesting. So, what uh, what do you recommend? How do we do a better job?
1: <laughs> I think we need to embrace those things. I, I think so often we try to separate out faith without realizing um, that it's just more integrated than that. and each one of us we have relationships in our lives and if faith is integrated into you know who we are as a human, if it's a part of our identity, if it's a part of How we express ourselves in the world then it's not going to be this awkward you know side piece of who we are It, it really will be fully integrated in all of our relationships and so that's a piece that you know we're really exploring what does it mean to do that kind of work another thing that showed up at the top of the list for parents and caregivers inside and outside the church and basically everywhere was that they wanted for their kids to develop good character yeah. Um, and character qualities was number one. It, it was, first of all, um, on a list of 25 to 30 different things that people might want for their kids, character development showed up as number one,
0: interesting.
1: Um, which I think is one way of integrating faith in life. Because if you think about uh, the number one character quality people selected was honesty uh, by and large across all groups of people, we want our kids to know what it means to be honest. Huh. That shouldn't be separate from our faith. It should be a part of the way that we teach our children. You know, why does honesty matter? Should be connected to um, how we express our faith. And so, embedding faith and character together, I think, is a a part of that answer. Yeah. Um, and it's important that we begin to see why we why we talk about these things together instead of as separate categories.
0: Yeah. It, have Have you? Are you in a position to see how churches that are doing this well are different from churches that maybe aren't doing this well? Are there some some sort of practical things? Is is it, it kind of like maybe the churches that have a celebrate recovery group, you know, or maybe a certain type of youth outreach or activity? Is there is there any? Have you seen anything that maybe? let people know hey if you're doing this in your church this is what people need and want and this is where you can actually help people versus maybe some things that we've done because they've been done for decades in our church that aren't effective
1: it's a great question randy i share your perspective that a lot of churches are doing a lot more good than what people realize yeah and I think we have this unique opportunity to talk to church leaders um, professionally every week and we're deeply inspired by a lot of the ways that churches are supporting families well. And I just want to reiterate again in the research we found that families who are going to churches are overwhelmingly uh, saying that they feel more supported than families who are not connected to church communities. So many churches are doing many things really well in this category. Uh, Our next project is actually to identify some churches in a pilot group and to really dig into some of exactly what you're looking at to say, okay, what are the things that tend to produce the best results when it comes to supporting families well? Um, We came out of the research with, you know, five or six ideas of what we think that might look like, and then we're going to go test those in real time through some different expressions. Um... But it does, uh, I think, lead into many of the things that you suggested. Number one, I would say it begins with a foundation of empathy. Mm. Um, I think in general, as believers, as well as churches, we have to begin to do a little bit more homework in terms of empathizing intelligently with caregivers in our community to know what's taking place at home. Um, and I think to suspend maybe judgment or you know our preconceptions about family family units are a really personal thing. And most of us grew up in family experiences that are different from each other. You find that out when you have college roommates, <laughs> right? right. <laughs> You're like, oh, I never thought about why our family does it this way or your family does it that way. Um, so when it comes to family systems, we just, we need to press pause sometimes, do some research, try to build our empathy muscles when it comes to what happens in somebody's home. Um, but secondly, I think most parents are looking for shared experiences with their kids, places where they can go, uh, have fun together, play together, connect relationally together. Mm -hmm. And so churches are going to need to lean into that element of how do you connect the parent, the caregiver in the home with the child or the teenager in the home and give them an opportunity where they can kind of build that relational, uh, they they have fun together, they build that that relational connection together while they're with you develop those skills. So shared experiences is huge. Um, I think also helping families know how to understand and see their child at every phase showed up a good bit. Mm -hmm. Um, Parents said, number one, at every age group, they were looking for shared experiences as their top number one thing they wanted um, to find. And number two, they were looking for somewhere that could help them understand how their kid is changing at every phase. Mm -hmm. And I think that's this is a unique thing that churches and schools really have to offer to the home, because oftentimes there's experts in a phase who see a lot of maybe say fourth graders. They can lean into a parent and go, "Hey, look, what's happening with your fourth grader? This is this is normal. This is what happens. You know, be encouraged, take heart. Uh, here's where they are in this particular phase of life. Mm-hmm. And that's one of those magical connections I think between church and home a parent knows their individual child better than anyone else. And oftentimes a church or a school community will know that phase of life better than a parent. And so you, if you want to come to understand a child better, it kind of takes both of those influences at the same time.
0: Yeah. And, and that's interesting. And, you know, I think we have, at least in my experience, um, I'm a bit older than you. That's okay. We have a bit of a false choice. Uh, the church either has to proclaim the truth or it just becomes kind of this YMCA or whatever, where people mm-hmm. just gather and they just do their fun little things, and and that's sort of said with a, a critical tone. Or the, you got the others there that, that seem to have all the programs, you know, mm-hmm. but like they don't care about biblical truth. <laughs> and mm-hmm. and <laughs> it's not. It should. It's it's not either or. It's both and absolutely. And and I think absolutely. When, yeah, you know, when we stand on the truth. And, but yet we meet the needs of the people that, that gets to the core of the way Jesus set up the church, which was love one another, you know, Mm -hmm. communicate community, uh, and, and love the Lord your God with all your heart truth. I mean, to me, that's, that's where we should be as a church body. Right.
1: Well, I mean, Reggie Joyner, the founder of our organization, quotes scripture a good bit when he says, it's the joy of the Lord that is our strength. Mm. And if you don't take fun seriously, then you don't take your faith seriously. I I don't know how we can see it any other way, especially when it comes to the lives of children and teenagers. I go back in my own parenting and think about uh, this really specific moment that happened when my son was probably about four or five years old. I can't remember. Uh, He cut his sister's hair, and I mean, it was like he cut it off. I mean, it was really disastrous. I came down, you know, her little curls were all over the floor. I was mad. I mean, he could tell, like, I'm sweeping up curls and Mm. not in a great place. And for the rest of the day, he kept trying to play with me. And I think what he was trying to do in that moment is he was trying to make sure that we were relationally okay. Mm. And sometimes we can misread fun as if it doesn't matter, and fun is just silly, and fun is you know unimportant. And we miss this idea that fun is what authenticates forgiveness mm. in a relationship. Mm. When you can play together, when you can enjoy each other, it allows you to authenticate forgiveness and show you know, you, you are forgiven, and this relationship is strong enough. You know to bear up there's so much that we could say that's theologically true about fun so our church programs if you're laughing together chances are you're doing something that has theological meaning to it
0: that's uh i, I like that i think that's right <laughs> and i like the way you put it all right i want to show people again parentq.org parentq.org there is the parent q live podcast if you're a parent or caregiver and uh, you want to get more great ideas and encouragement, you can do that there. Is there anything else you want to mention before I let you go? Kristen has been a very enlightening conversation. I appreciate it.
1: I don't think so. Randy, we love what you do. We love uh, the information that you're getting out into the world. So uh, we're happy to have more conversations and, and keep talking about this. But um, I just love the idea that Churches really are the best place for parents to feel connected, to feel supported, and have access to everything that they need uh, as they raise their children well.
0: Yep. Uh, We can do it. And uh, (laughs) if you feel like you can't do it, that's probably a good starting place because then you're going to lean into the Lord and He'll empower you and it'll be better than you could ever do on your own. So. Great information. Check out the book, What Most Parents Aren't Telling You, and uh, parentcue.org, thinkorange.com, and uh, Ivy.com. And uh, come back. We've got more great for you, r- great interviews for you, and information, hopefully. Uh, but, yeah, we got. I-, I can already tell you. I've seen the schedule. You'll enjoy it. Come back. <laughs> we'll see you again next time here on Life Today Live. To know that God asked Her,
1: Jesus Christ of Nazareth, loves you so very much, and if jesus
0: loves you so very much surely you are ready now to believe him to receive him and to receive the healing from body mind and code